friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. I like that you guys sat front row right where the camera is. If you get those, hi friends online. We have um, one of my favorite neighbors right here. I'm not gonna turn the camera on. I, I, I could if you want. Want to be on camera? You graduated high school, you can do all things now. Um, where did I put my coffee? Right back here. All right, how's everyone doing? Good, how are you doing? All time high? Super good? I feel like I have to look at this microphone the whole time I'm talking. All right, so when my daughter, was in kindergarten. Anyone here in kindergarten? Any kid? No, <laughs> Eden, raise your hand. Eden, Eden's going into seventh grade. That's a little different than kindergarten. Uh, uh, my daughter, Kira, was going to kindergarten. She came home and said, oh, we sing the Pledge of Allegiance, or sing, recite, yell, um, every day. And we said, oh, what is the Pledge of Allegiance? And she said, um, uh, I got it right here, I wrote it down. Uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And Richard Stans, and we stop, and we're like, did you just say Richard Stans? She's like, yeah, who is that guy? <laughs> Which is great, do you remember that, honey? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's like totally like normal. There's things that we say, or things that we come into truth, or things we believe are true, and we don't always necessarily know why we're saying Richard Stanza, right? <laughs> but there's like things, Theologically, politically, socially, intellectually, we just like assume like, yeah, everyone knows that. And what if like, what if like we don't always need to hold on to Richard Stanza, right? What if there's other interpretations? What if there's other ways? What if there's other ways of reimagining? And that's what we talked about last week. Um, we talked on prayer. Yeah, I was there. We talked on prayer. Uh, and today we're going to reimagine the word evangelism. Who gets all jacked up when they hear that word, right? It's like you, got, you just got done lifting weights, you're like, skipping, right? That's, all right, so when you hear the word evangelism, and if you're watching online, you can uh, make comments on anything you want, really. Um, but <laughs> Jeannie Peterson thinks you're watching. Um, but what, when you hear the word evangelism, Dietrich, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Come on, you're an old youth pastor, come on. Okay, Dietrich said that he used to walk around to people's homes and knock door to door to evangelize people. Was that the goal? Did it work? Did it work? Um, I'm not sure what really came. Okay. 
I would, I would, I would say define work. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, who else? Who has, has a feeling? What do, what do you think of when you, when you think, hear the word evangelism? Do you know what that word is? What do you think it means? Okay. I'm, am I putting this? Okay. Never mind. Bree, what comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? You gotta hand out the tracks. Did you do that? Oh, you did? No! Oh, you just lost this whole room. I've never seen a room turn on someone so fast. Wow, I did not hand out any tracks. I did it. I did. Don't come at me right now. All right. Denny. I would say pushy. Pushy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, there's a lot, a lot. Abby. Objectifying, that's a big word, I like that, right, yeah. Okay, so for, for me, my first memory of um, evangelism is in college, it's not my first memory, but it's the first thing that came to mind. In college, remember last week, I mean, you all remember, I told you about the professor, I got a D in prayer, remember, he'd get up and he'd get up, make us all like yell the devil and get us all like jacked up, and then we'd just go to bed. Um, same same uh, teacher, do you know what the, the teacher's name, the professor's name? Okay, and it was a class on evangelism, and he's out there doing the same thing. You know, I bet he's a great guy. He's up there running around and talking about all these, there's all these people going to hell, and what, and what are we going to do about it? And I remember just sitting, like, on the front right, just looking, I'm like, okay, like, I, I get to go play GoldenEye after this soon, right? Yeah, you remember GoldenEye and 64, right? Yeah, so, um, yeah, and I remember sitting there like, this isn't going to wrap up, and then out of nowhere, he drops the, the, the F-bomb. That is a swear word, not a real bomb, right? He said he drops an F bomb. And now, we're at Bible college. I went to Bible college. I went to Bible camp. My senior grad photos had a Bible in it. No big deal. I was heavy on the Bible. I got the receipts of all the Bibles, all right? And um, that's what the kids say now. I got receipts, right? It means I can prove it. I got history. I got cred. Um, what am I talking about? Bible, Bible college. So we're all like these really trying to like be good, evangelical, um, Christians and our professor swears in the middle and we all of course paid attention. We look up and he goes, exactly! You are concerned more about a four-letter word than the millions of people who are marching to the gates of hell and you're just sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, we're paying you for this class. <laughs> we're required to show up. What do you want us to do? Give us an A. We'll go do whatever evangelism you want us to do, all right? But like to me, evangelism it, that was handed down to me in that way it was all about this, um, this pressure, objectifying. It was this means to an end. Um, I, I remember talking to, I should actually drink this. I remember talking to these three young men several years ago, and they're like, oh man, uh, Scary Gary, he's going, that wasn't his name, it's the first name that came to mind. Scary Gary's going across Minnesota carrying this cross on his back. He's evangelizing. And I remember thinking like, and they loved it. They were inspired by this guy going across the state of Minnesota with a cross on his back and I thought okay like I appreciate the art right if that what, what kind of art do you call that um, performance. performance you guys all got right yeah. performance arts Chris hello read a book so um, I appreciate the performance art that inspires someone to like rethink what it means to carry your own cross whatever but they were convinced this guy's evangelizing whatever we're going to define the word a little bit but whatever you think of it like he's doing it I'm like well okay is he like getting like beat up by the, like, the system? Is he being oppressed? Did he get whipped? Did he, is he gonna like die? Is he yelling as he's carrying? Like I'm trying to envision him going across Minnesota and what he's doing that is uh, evangelizing, I thought. 
to them, evangelism is more about what you're doing and the suffering and counting the cost. I, I talked, do you guys ever talk to street preachers? Any of that level? Kyle? You're not, I can no. see you doing that. <laughs> Kyle, a little, too, a little too close to home for Kyle. It's like, no, hard pass. Um, I, I wouldn't, I haven't for a while, but I used to engage them. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, what's your, I guess I, that sounds really judgmental, doesn't it? What are you doing? You got to revision your life. No. I would talk to them, like, what are you hoping for? And almost every single one, it's like, I am suffering for Christ. So their evangelism was, I imagine they wanted someone to convert, but it was more about, I am being seen for doing the work of Christ. And to me, evangelism is uh, a little different. Like, evangelism literally means um, to spread or to talk or proclaim or to preach the gospel. The gospel is good news. So evangelism is just really talking about these good and beautiful things. Actually, I found the dictionary called it a, um, a zealous advocacy of a cause. <laughs> I like that. A zealous is a good word, right? And that's what the evangelism can be. It doesn't always have the best feelings. I remember being a kid because I was told at my church that you're supposed to evangelize. You're supposed to get your friends. And my friend, Justin Derusha, if you're watching, big fan of you. Justin, if you couldn't come on Friday night, and I always wanted my friends to come on Friday night because I didn't want them to come Saturday because Saturday night meant Sunday morning, and Sunday mornings they'd have to go to church. And I had this like conflicting, not there's anything wrong with going to church, kids. <laughs> uh, but I always had this conflicting um, energy because of course I wanted my friends to know Jesus or get saved or whatever I was told that should happen. But I always felt weird because then Robin in the middle of service would like, someone would yell out in tongues and then someone would give an interpretation of tongues. People would just start crying. Someone would get up on the microphone and start like dancing. People would move and it was like, for them, it was a beautiful thing. But with my friend, he kept looking around like, what's happening? Why is everyone's hands in the air? Why is this lady just yelling? And then why are we all letting her yell? Who is, can I yell? Can, do I get to yell in the middle of service? Um, and I, so like, evangelism was something that I felt like I was supposed to do or I needed to do. And if I didn't do it, then I wasn't a good enough Christian. Turns out, when I became a pastor, way easier to evangelize. You wanna know why? Because no one talks back. When you got the microphone, I can say whatever I want, and people are polite, like, uh, uh, right? So all of a sudden, I could, um, in front of a room full of students, I could say every, um, every head bowed, every eye open, every, no, every head bowed, eyes closed, every heart's open, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? And I could give a, a call to the gospel, I could give a salvation prayer, and kids could look at me, they could raise their hand, they could grab a packet, they could fill out a form. Um, and that was evangelism. And we'd say, hey, you know, we had X amount of people that got saved. And I really don't mock that. I've talked to some of those students. I've talked to some of those people who've had meaningful, powerful experiences through, um, through that kind of form of evangelism, right? So I don't discredit it. But it's, it's funny. I, I talked to a group of pastors, this was a little while ago, and we are talking about putting up, like, giving free meals to some group. And one pastor's like, well, we can't give away that, that food for free. We have to give a gospel message. You can't just give away food. I'm like, I, I think that we see Jesus very differently in what Jesus did. Because, again, it was a means to an end. Evangelism is like, we can't give away something free if we don't get the credit, right? Um, Dietrich Winter, in the back corner, for those who are watching, was a youth pastor at Duluth Gospel Tabernacle for many years. And he started an event called Blitz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all night. Is there any more youth pastor events than blitz, 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 all nighter, all nighter, all nighter? 
Does anyone actually still like all-nighters? Would anyone willingly sign up to go to an all-nighter? No? Steve, Steve, Steve and Lamo, totally, yeah. Because you guys did those, you did those for so long. I was the world's worst youth pastor because I hated, hated all-nighters. I once, oh, this is not my notes, I once, Nikki was pregnant, yes. yes, and we were good youth pastors, so we did it, and I went to the bus when we were at World of Wheels, and I fell asleep. I'm like, I'm gonna go check on something the bus. I went down, and I totally fell asleep. Nikki came over, kicked the, in my memory, kicked the door open, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> if I'm out there, you're out there. Um, man, um, why am I telling this story? Oh. I did need sleep, honey. I was the bus driver. You want me driving everyone's kids to like, fall asleep? No, safety first. That was my last one. All for the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, why am I telling this story? So, Dietrich, Bliss, after Dietrich left, right? We showed up to this event and we brought, um, uh, we brought a ton of kids. I, I think Dave will remember this one. Um, Dave and I did student ministries like 15 years, 10 years, 10. 25 years? Yeah, so um, uh, at the event, I told the kids, we're going to be playing basketball, we're going to go bowling, we're going to eat pizza. And not, all that was built to me was this hype, fun experience. And it was up until midnight. And then at UWS, and they're like, uh, UWS. And all of a sudden, they're like, um, hey, we're going in the other gym. And I'm like, to the other gym. I'm like Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, to the trees. So we all run into this gym, and I come around the corner with hundreds of kids, and there's a worship band. Here's this worship team, which is not bad. You know, big fan, Steve, of worship. And um, there is, uh, uh, I'm like, uh-oh. And you could feel, in the same way we all turned towards Bree when we found out she handed out fake money, hey, friends. Um, the whole group turned against me because they're like, we're going to sing worship at like 12.30 at midnight. And then I'm like, hey, guys, what if it's a really fun experience? And then, um, <laughs> then someone gets up to talk. They talked for 45 minutes. And the whole time, these kids who brought their friends, right, they're all looking at their friends, and, all, and then those kids are all looking at me like, really, Sodder? We're playing basketball? It's a classic bait and switch, right? We're going to sell you on this idea to get you in the room, but then once you're in the room, you can't go anywhere. Like, what was they supposed to do? Get up and, like, kick the microphone over, like, let's go play basketball, right? But this is how so many people think of Church, this is what some people think of evangelism, right? It's this bait and switch. There's this heavy hand. There's this, this um, what did you say, that pushy? But like, where do we even get the idea? As Christians, right? As spiritual people, where does the word evangelism like even come from in the Bible? It comes from this guy we might know as Jesus, right? And Jesus says in Mark 16, verse 15, I am pretty sure of that, right? Um, a little little Bible fact. Mark, this is such a, ooh, by the way. Um, everything after verse 9 is not in the earliest part of the manuscripts of Mark. And so some New Testaments think that they're the Marconian. Is that the right word? Marconian? What else is Marconian? That's another phrase or something. Anyways, Marconian community, people who follow Mark, added it later. Anyways, still, it's really good. So we see it in the other um, Gospels as well. He says, go into all of creation. Go into all of creation and preach the good news. Like, um, speak of the gospel, speak of the good news. Jesus says this before he sends into heaven, and he says, um, uh, all authority has been um, given to me, go into all the world, right? Go into all the world, Samaria, Judea, and preach the good news. Make disciples, uh, baptize people. And when I gave this message, when I was working at uh, the vineyard, I said, and cast out all the demons. And I got off the stage, and John Kluwer said, um, you know, that's not in the Bible. 
the demon part is not at all in there. He's like, you made up the Bible. And I'm like, every time, John. Every time. <laughs> thus, thus led me on my trajectory of being a heretic. So, um, um, we get this idea from... That <laughs> was a joke. <laughs> Other people that call me a heretic. Um, uh, but Jesus, um, over and over again, talks about how can we not win people over. It was never meant to be this, like, go make converts. It was all about go share, go speak of the, these good and beautiful things. We see this in Peter and Paul. They go around and they talk about the kingdom. They talk about the Christ. And there's people who, like, the first time he does it, there's 3,000 people all of a sudden awaken to this reality. They join this church. Paul goes around to all these little towns and starts churches. And in these churches, what do they do? They gather to eat. To share a meal, that's really what they did to encourage and share stories. They'd read Paul's letters. They would actually, they would um, recite these, like Philippians 2 was like a mantra. It's something that you would all say in unison, like a prayer of generosity. That's like what their form of church was. So the evangelism wasn't get, to get them to necessarily like be, become this convert. It was like, how do you like move into this being? How do you have this way of love? And we do it through table to table, meal to meal. So what could evangelism actually look like? If we were to reimagine, here's, I'll give you three tips. Imagine that a pastor has a three-point sermon. So, three tips. <laughs> First is this. If we're going to preach the good news, what is so good? Like, what is so good about God to you? What is so good about your body? What is so good about the way you make your lasagna? What is so good about your laughter? What's so good about your family? What's so good about your partner? What's so good about spirituality? What's so good about neighborhood? Because it's really easy to be uh, proclaim the, the gospel of what bothers me, <laughs> right? It's really easy to proclaim the gospel of, you know what annoys me? The way you chew your food. We're all experts at that. But to proclaim the good news, we don't always, we're not always in touch with what's really good. It's actually kind of awkward, right? And we even separate of like, then if the gospel, to go into all creation and preach the gospel, the good news, we tie to just um, spirituality. We teach it about religion. Where Jesus went around and preached the good news and it was about restoring people's bodies. It was about restoring community. It was about liberation. It was about justice. It was about inclusion. It was about feeding the hungry. It was about helping people. Right? That, that was all connected. All of it was touching. Everything is spiritual. If everything is spiritual, we can proclaim the gospel if we're aware of what's good about us. So, are you aware of what's even good? Second thing. Then, like, find people, find people where you can process what's good, where you can share, where you can inspire one another, where you can um, be curious about what is good, where you can be challenged about what is good. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and it was t these three people talking about their journey of faith, and there's this term called deconstruction. I use the word disorder, and they're talking about how they kind of um, walked through it, like what prompted it, how did it, how did it happen, and the thing they said was, we didn't have anyone to process with. Because the people in our church, and they also worked for this church, um, we couldn't talk about it because it wasn't safe. Because if we talked about it or we were curious, we saw how other people were like moved along or they had consequences. And that reminded me of me. I'm like, how did I process that? <laughs> and um, I did it. Right? I processed it a lot with first, just with Nikki. And actually what started was, I was at a dinner party, and someone was talking about how they have a non, their nonviolent response, right? Their, or pacifist is another way of saying it. And I'm like, oh, you're all going to be a nonviolent response. What if someone breaks in their house and they're going to hurt your, your partner? 
and they're like, I don't know what I do, but I hope what would come out of me is the kingdom of God instead of violence. And that set me on my disorder. I'm like, wow. If Jesus says to love our enemies, like to the fullest extent, why did I think it's okay to kill someone? Why do I think it's okay to bring violence on someone else's body in place of my own? Where Jesus again and again in the Sermon on the Mount makes it very clear. We are to love always. And it began this whole conversation and this journey um, of what else do I believe that is true that maybe isn't true? I had to reimagine a lot of things. And I, the people that I would process with, the people that were mentors to me, when it came to some of these issues, I couldn't because I saw it happen and other people did it. They'd talk about it, some would decide to quit their job, some people would be, you know, also would say, maybe I should just find a different place. And I loved the church I worked for. And also, I had three kids. <laughs> I had to feed them. And I really did love my job, and I didn't want to lose my job. But primarily what drove me was, I have to like make sure that there's food on the table. I was processing this with my therapist, Dr. Heather Rose Carlson, and I felt a lot of shame that after the fact that I didn't like process some of these things. And she's like, so what you're saying is you feel shame because you chose to feed your family over talking if knowing the ark was real. I'm like, oh. Uh. So what you're saying is you chose the safety and stability of your kids so that they could be happy and content over that uh, Jonah really, like did Jonah really get eaten by a whale for three days? Did that, re did that really happen? And when she said it, it gave me permission, I'm like, oh. Why am I so afraid about processing these things? And why is it bad in that space that I chose my kids and the stability of that over just processing? And I learned I could actually talk about it with my family, talk about it with my friends. And as soon as they found, like, brought up to my friends um, about some things in the Bible, about um, inclusion of the LGBTQ community, what I found out was there were so many people that wanted to process it. There were so many people that wanted to talk. And we arrived at different places on a lot of different issues what we normalize is we can actually like talk and be curious and question and debate, right? So if you find out what is good and evangelism is proclaiming the good news, you need a place of where you can kind of figure out and process some of those things because it's in those spaces that that is really good to talk and to debate. I um, recently with one of my friends, um, we were sitting in their back porch and we were talking about spirituality and. Uh, there were some of the people that I processed with, that Nikki and I both processed with. And um, one of them talked on how they, the, like the spirituality has become more expansive, but they've never felt more free, they've never felt more love, they've never felt more connected to the divine. And I had like this like throwback moment of over the last 17 years of being friends with these people, how the language has changed over time. The things that we talked about and the things that we were concerned and we cry over and the things we pray about, some of the verbiage has changed, but the heart of love never has. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. So, do you have people where you can like process what is good? Do you have people where you can dream, you can share? And I hope, I, I believe that neighborhood could be that place. Like I believe, like we have um, some friends in Iowa that, that they're starting to gather and kind of put together uh, their own church down in Iowa, that there's a place where you live or where you can process. Because once you figure out what is good, you can process it, then you can normalize celebrating what is good in other people. Like, to me, this is my favorite. If I was going to, and I, I don't often use the word evangelism. I use it on purpose to bring up some emotion. <laughs> but, like, if I, my favorite way of evangelism is by asking a lot of questions. One of my favorite questions is asking people if they're happy. I, when I was a youth pastor for, whatever, 12, 13 years, um, 
I run into a bunch of former students. This just happened a couple days ago at Surbens. Um, and he walked up, he's like, Sauter! Um, hugged him and got caught up on where he's living, what's he doing for a job. And like right after I said, are you, like, are, are you happy? And he stopped and he paused. And I love it when I ask the question that people like reflect. You can, I feel like they're going through like, like the, the story of like last year of their life and flipping through the pages and evaluating, am I really, am I happy? And he said, yeah, I've never been happier. He found a great job, he found a great home, he found, he was a rock star, he's like, live the rock star life. <laughs> I rolled my eyes. And then, um, and he was like, I found a community of people, of friends, I never thought I would find this much enjoyment. You see, anytime, uh, Richard Rory says, anytime love is withdrawn, that's where heaven is. Is that any better way of proclaiming good news? Is there any other way of preaching the gospel? Is there any way of evangelizing of when love is withdrawn from people? So if you want to evangelize, like, ask people questions. Celebrate someone's outfit. Like, give them a high five. Well, don't, unless you have consent, give them a high five, right? <laughs> right? Like, laugh hard at people's jokes, unless it's not fun. <laughs> right? Like, when we can celebrate in love, is there any more beautiful way of evangelizing? Where I end is this. I love the story, and I use it all the time, of the, um, the son who goes off and comes back, and the dad sees him, throws a big uh, jacket over him, and has a big party. And the pinnacle of the story is the other son, who stays home, and he's angry. And he tells his dad, I did it all right. I did everything in the family right. I worked hard, I stayed here, I got all the, the right church stuff, I got all the right, everything you wanted, and yet you were celebrating the son who ran off and came back. And what does the dad say? Dad says, everything I have is yours, son. Everything I have, and I'm with you always. Whatever it is that you're looking for, it's always been there. You can do all the right things, you can screw it up. You can run away and come back. What the dad is saying is that the goodness, this beauty, this beauty, this heaven, this love has always been within you. And the dad is preaching the good news to his son. And one thing that um, Rob Bell wrote about, he said, if you imagine that story, you, the party's still going on. You could probably smell the meat, you could probably hear the music, you could hear the laughter. And the son is stuck in the middle thinking, I am like, I'm missing out on the party because I did everything right. And the dad says, he preaches the gospel saying, everything I have is yours, and I'm with you always. I already forgot. Okay, we're gonna stand up and we're gonna pray. So my encouragement to you, as I pray, is for you to think about what is so good about fill in the blank. As I pray, you might um, visualize what you picture God to be. Might be what you picture to be love. Might be a picture of what you to be like pure or heaven. And I would encourage you to like place yourself in that. Can you view yourself as being pleasurable? Can you view yourself as being holy? Can you view yourself as being good? Let's pray. So God, we love you. And I thank you for the, the words of wisdom. How often we feel like we, we're outside the party, we feel like we dig our heels aground, saying, I did everything right, and I feel like I'm still missing it. And that everything that you have is mine. And that you're with me always. And we think that no, I'm only good if, 
when I do this, then it's good. When it's all right, when it's all perfect, then it's holy. I pray you'd help us be able to, to sense and feel that, that energy, that love, that the party is just right there. It's right, right outside. And we can see ourselves as being good, that we can be a part of that party. We can be a part of that energy. We can be a part of that life. And I pray that we'd have people that we can process what is good. Especially the things that we convince ourselves that we're bad or we're less than over and over. That we could have a community of people that can affirm who we are. Remind us of who we are. And I pray that you would use us to normalize celebrating other people. To celebrate withdrawing love. Identifying love. Of sharing beautiful things about them, about this world, about this God, and about ourselves. So we love you, God. Your name? Amen. All right. Um, are we going to have another song? We're processing this together right now. <laughs> Let's do, we're going we're to close just with one uh, brief song. Um, thank you for coming, neighborhood, and I'll see everyone outside.
Thanks for joining us this morning. See you next weekend.